as far as I know, I couldn't figure out how to make it just automatically make its own backup folder every time. It doesn't do that? No, I don't think you so. You mean Pro Tools does something better than Reaper? Yeah, there's one thing. I'm sure we'll hear about it's it. It's a small miracle. I'm sure we'll hear There's about a script it. for it. So we got the start. We don't even know what we're going to talk about. Nope. The pre-GDC stuff is really busy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's why this is... February. Yeah, February just ended without like giving us a Google notification or anything. No, we totally it's just forgot. over. All right, so I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McGlattery. This is Beards Cats and Indie Game Audio. Welcome to it. Whatever number this is. Announcements off the top. Announcements off the top. GDC's coming up. Carousel Con is locked, locked. on your side. Locked and loaded. We are doing a live recording. Live recording. Beards, yeah. Cats, and Indie Game Audio. First time ever in front of a crowd. We've just got a not a hard lock, but a soft lock for our guest. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. We're going to have some audio games. Yeah, we're going to hang out. It's, 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 I, I keep hesitantly calling it a party yeah. because it's not a party. There's not going to be any loud music. There it's going to be, no, be a, yeah. like hang out and chat. It'll be many people in one space. It'll be a, yeah. a gathering, cool. a consortium. Um, that we're doing tickets. It's free. It's on Tuesday night. There'll be a, a link in the show notes for it. Come out and see us yammer like this in person. Yeah, and I want to. I'm thinking of doing an audio, an audio game. Yeah, might have a a computer set up, probably with Reaper and like a limited library and a little video. And I want everyone to maybe just go cut a sound for it, and then maybe we'll see if we can figure out a way to play it back at the end of the night. <laughs> That'll be fun. Just unmixed trash. Yeah, it'll be funny. Yeah. It'll be good. Um, and then Carousel Con is happening. Locked mm-hmm. in Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday during GDC. Um, 1 p.m. on Wednesday and Thursday and 12.30 on Friday uh, to just schedule it when it's like you've got enough time to see the talk, go pick something up for lunch, come back to the carousel, see some stuff, and then go see the rest of the talks. So yeah. I'm, I'm putting it right in the lunch break. Great. And uh, we are both doing audio mentoring, game audio mentoring. Yes. I just had one slot open up. It's on the Wednesday, I think. I had to shift the time, and the person I was mm-hmm. not able to shift their no. time, I don't think so, um, for CarouselCon. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got one slot open there. Uh, I don't know how to direct people to the calendar very easily, not without... I will put the link in the, the, the notes as well. Eventbrite link, CarouselCon link? Yep, there's a page. I've got a page for that. And uh, audio mentoring yep. link. That Dren McDonald is... If you're not the one that to get my one remaining slot, <laughs> then there, there, there might be a few other openings. Yeah. And so there's some people doing like roundtable-y ones too. I'm doing a roundtable too. Cool. Yeah. So that's open. All kinds of stuff coming up for GDC. Um, we are launching the American Dream on the 14th, Ooh. March 14th. Excited to have that one done. We've been working on it for a long time. Yeah. That'll be good to be out in the wild. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I've got some questions, but that'll come later. Okay. Um, but what are we going to talk about? Talk about. We have the two tentative topics. Uh, yeah. You wanted to maybe talk about how to reverse engineer a game and the audio yep. design of a game. Yep. I thought maybe we could talk about cultivating respect for audio within a team. Yep. I think that's good. Um, I think that has been a question in the past. Mm-hmm. It's been coming up more lately. Yep. People seem to be concerned about a low respect for audio in game development again. Yeah. And I was under the impression that things were going pretty good. Mm-hmm. So maybe we need to revisit it. I feel things are better than they 
potentially ever have been. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's like how good that really is. That means is. they're awesome. Or yeah. What? Um, and I've been I've been making like disrespected audio jokes on Twitter, and I feel bad about it, but they're they're still funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel also I'm like, oh god, this is what I'm going to re- be remembered for the like the bitter old man audio person. Well, I mean, anybody that's been in it for more than ten years probably is. <laughs> yes. So. so I'm trying to I'm trying to not be the bitter old dude. Yeah, I think it. You know. Well, I think it needs to, so let's just, I guess we're just going into this stuff. Yeah, yeah, So one thing I have to keep in mind as a, I guess, relative newcomer, yeah. or I was at one point, is that I didn't have to go through the brutal days. I was talking of talking to other folks, basically a, a story through a story. Mm-hmm. Someone was talking to an idol of theirs and then hearing about, you know, them being just real hard up for money and, and, and what they were charging and, and it being way lower than... A lot of us newcomers are charging, right? Because the landscape has changed, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the respect for audio has risen. Yeah, it, it, it's not a shove it in at the end of the project thing anymore, but it was for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, I and su- it still is for some people, and mm-hmm. but they suffer for it. I think no matter where we get to, there is always going to be people who shove audio in at the last minute yep. and have no respect for it. Just like there's people that are going to like never pay for audio. Like mm-hmm. no matter what you do, there's people that are just like, they're just never. And they, they treat all of the disciplines the same way. Like, or they may not, but there are probably people that do. Yeah. So there's just, you know, there's always going to be a mixed bag of people. There's going to be people that respect the craft and people that don't and mm-hmm. people that are trying to get everything for free and people that know the value and will pay for it and stuff. So like, that's always going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, we can just, you know, definitely try to, cultivate the relationships more with the people who care exactly than the people that don't um i saw a post on the good old reddit uh like last week that somebody was was asking that that sort of la- that thing of uh is audio crammed in at the last minute and you know that was their perception of how they were like i want to get into this this is how i'm perceiving it, it works right and there were people responding with... Was this on a game development subreddit or a game audio subreddit? No, it was subreddit? Like game audio. You still go there? Yeah, I'm a... Okay. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Just like to hate myself or something. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a couple people that were responding with like, oh yeah, that's the way it is. Thankfully, there was a lot more people responding with, no, that's not how it is. Yeah. You know, that we start doing stuff right away in any sort of, you know, any sort of team that cares even remotely, the audio person will start doing stuff right, right away. away. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, and there are games where it totally can be crammed yeah. in the, and it can totally yeah. work out because maybe the, the, they don't need a ton of sounds and they don't need a ton of nuance and yeah, it's all just functional stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does vary game to game, but, that is no longer an acceptable stereotype. Standards have risen across the board. Yeah. Something I've noticed kind of lately, tangentially related or related, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. I'm going there anyways. I used to have lots of like very firm, like I won't work without this being locked and this being done. And, you know, like I need all of this ducks in a row before I start my work. And I've let go of so much of that Yeah. by now where I'm like, right, there's an idea. I'm starting to work. And I go into stuff fully knowing like, right, I'm going to have to make changes. I'm going to have to reconform this video. I'm just, that's just going to, what's going to happen. Things are yeah. going to change. Yeah. But it is better if I start, you know, at least roughing stuff in. Mm-hmm. 
from the, the sooner I can start getting stuff in and then showing those things to people. I think that's one of the ways we sort of like build that respect and it, it is like showing what we add to the process. Mm-hmm. And the sooner we get stuff in, even if it's in a rough shape, even if the animations are rough and it's gray blocked and whatever. Yeah. If we can get stuff in there at, the, at those sort of same times, then there starts to be like, oh, I get, I get how this is adding to the experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. It can depend on the contract. If mm-hmm. it looks like you're milking hours, then that can be. Oh yeah, that's that, that th- can reflect poorly. I will say, which it often is not. That is me working at an in-house exactly, position, exactly. which is very different than working on a contract. Yeah. So I'm in-house, so I can jump on stuff as soon as I can get my grubby paws on something to exactly. check in. You know. So and it's yeah, it's not viewed as. Is that kind of thing. So yeah, and a little bit different there. The uh, the form of contract. So if we're mm-hmm. on a contract that's mostly revenue share, then we can do as much as we want because right. it's our hours, yeah. basically, that we're putting in. Yeah. Um, whereas if it's an hourly, if you're billing the client hourly and they're like, why are you noodling around? We don't even know what we want yet. Yes. And you're totally charging different. us for it? Yeah. They'll, they'll get a little choked. Totally. So that's, yeah, that's one of those important nuances, important <laughs> contract nuances, and there yeah. is no... Right answer for contracting. You, you gotta, no, it's going to be. It's all you got to read the board at all yeah. times. That's another way that we can build that respect for audio is asking, asking and knowing. <laughs> look, not knowing because, but asking when you don't know, mm-hmm. and sort of following through on what you do know, so that you're like, right, I know that I'm working hourly, and he doesn't want me to waste my time and stuff. So I'm going to ask him, hey, I've got this idea. What do you think of me trying this out? And, you know, I respect that you don't want me to put in extra, you know, fluffy billable hours mm-hmm. trying to keep it under control for you. So I'm checking with you. Sort of knowing the bounds of your contractor and relationship so that you can fulfill it to the best of what they want. Something I've been thinking about as far as gaining respect for audio as well is mm-hmm. being interested in the project as a whole yeah. in a pretty big way. Mm-hmm. and being interested in the rest of game development as a whole. Because as soon as you're intellectually sequestered, then how? why could they expect you to know how to tell a story? Yeah, We have to start thinking ourselves as m- like more on the sum side of being a part of the sum, yeah. like, rather than just thinking of ourselves as just the part, and then the final product is somewhere down the line, Yeah, and obsessing over our part, and why is our part important? Yeah thinking about the whole project as much as we can at all times and expressing that we know about it, we care about it, mm-hmm. and we like the other parts of development. And yeah. knowing something about animation and how programmers work, or at least pseudocoding yeah. and stuff like that, that, that helps a lot. Because then you're a game developer and you're not just a you mm-hmm. know, sound designer. Yeah, I mean, I'm on, on Hot Lava, I'm constantly going to Mark with not full-on design ideas, but like, you know, we've got a new intro section and we're playing mm-hmm. through it. And I'm like, hey, Mark, come watch me play for two minutes. And I'm like, here is what I, as a bad player, how I'm playing through this level. I'm getting stuck here. I don't feel like I'm being like, I know where to go at this point. And this jump I'm not making every single time. And he's like, awesome. I can tune from those. Great. You know, so it's being a part of that design talks as well. It has nothing to do with me as an audio person. It's just, hey, here's me playing the game and what I think as a player. Let me help with design on that respect. I think caring about art, caring Mm -hmm. about animation, uh, and having not an opinion that you're forcing on people about it, but trying to cultivate an opinion. On and rather than just throwing your hands in the air and well, not and not like trying, no, yeah, don't just be like a, a, a know-it-all, you know. Yeah, you don't want to be a know-it-all. You don't want to be forcing your opinions on other departments. They are still the experts. Yeah, but a lot of artists want feedback, constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and if you have non-constructive feedback, keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, when I started out, I was totally one of those fiery audio Rah! people. And it's mm-hmm. like, that was... I look back at him like, man, that was not the way to deal with those situations. <laughs> Being the Ellie angry audio person was not not the best uh, approach. Yeah. Another another thing that clients hate is when you start just using crazy audio words all the time. You're not if you're not using right. relatable terms. Yeah, pepper them in from time to time. But I, I I've talked to a few clients and I kind of trusted their opinion on this. Is that have who have said as soon as someone starts overloading me with jargon, mm-hmm. I start to actually assume they don't really know what they're doing. Right, you're trying to trick me by using a bunch of words I don't understand. Exactly, you're trying you're you're trying to belittle me. Yeah. Whereas most good contractors are able to worldize their terms mm-hmm. in any field. I've done a lot of with working with with my people about listening to them describe. You know, we like we'll like go through a scene. Mm-hmm. And then be like, okay, what do you what do you think? How is the music working, or how's the sound effects working? And just get them to say what they think, and then start to figure out how to translate that to sort of like music terms. Yeah, and do that with them, like not just like walk away and be like in my head, go oh, okay, I figured out what they're talking. Being like, okay, I think this is what you mean in music terms. So like, it's a teaching a back and forth teaching moment mm-hmm. for both of us to be like, how do you talk about this? Okay, well this is this is what I think you mean in my language so that maybe next time we can get a little closer we're sharing that so it's not like barfing terminology on them yeah it's it's sort of like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna help translate this for you and i'm gonna check to make sure you understand mm-hmm. what i'm doing in that translation and so that we can just you know get a little closer and a little closer and not have that like oh god wall of because i mean the same as like an artist starts talking about like super crazy art stuff. I'm like, I'll get totally lost. Or yeah, exactly. Or... That was that was my next my follow up was going to be and and uh, don't be afraid to check people on it when they're doing to you. Yeah, doing it to you it may not be on purpose, but mm-hmm. if somebody's talking about a complex shader algorithm or something, <laughs> and you don't even know what a shader is, and ask what, what the heck is a shader. Yeah, I have asked what a shader is before. Yeah, I didn't always know what a shader was, so I had to ask. Yeah, and now I... and now I know. I've been having, you know, programmers help me learn programming and I ask the dumbest questions because yeah. they'll be like, you do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what is that? Yeah. I just roll that back to the first step. All three of those blahs. I don't know thing. what any of those blahs mean. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think what you're saying about the, it's unintentional for the mm-hmm. most part. I think people who are very passionate about something a lot of times get deep into that thing and they don't realize that how deep they are. And how ununderstandable they are to somebody who's not as deep as that. Yeah, I've I've tweeted things that were that are you know hashtag game audio tweet, and people yep. have replied with I know one of those words. <laughs> and game audio people are terrible about it. Every niche yep. group is terrible about it. Um, where you know if we're spending all our time on the game audio Slack or in a game audio subreddit, and we're just steeped in these terms. Yeah. Then as soon as we're talking to other people, we're using them because we're used to using them. Yeah. It's the same as using like bad words you're not supposed to use. If you've got if you've been working out in the bush mm-hmm. for six months and then yep. you go to a, a fancy dinner party, everybody's going to stare at you because you've been dropping the f bomb every three words. Yeah. Uh, so it's so you have to think about it the same way. You can't just say like occlusion. Yeah. People don't know what that is. Or even shader programmers will think of occlusion in a slightly different way. Totally. 
There is visual so, occlusion. That is a very different, very different beast. Yeah. So. RTPCs, especially yeah, especially software specific acronyms that really like will blow people because it's like, it's really only wise is calls it an RTPC mm-hmm. right off the like that's where it's yeah. officially what it's called yeah. So program specific jargon is even worse yeah. than sci- scientific jargon. You know, mm-hmm. I try to use programming words a lot more. Than, mm-hmm. Because everybody knows all programs know what a parameter is, yeah, and a variable is, yeah, and that that kind of thing, yeah, which are not audio words necessarily. No. So, so the way to the best way to cultivate respect for audio is to know more about things that aren't audio. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, it's it's not about being amazing at audio. Yeah, it's about communication. Yeah, it's it's a a lot of the stuff we talk about. It comes down to soft skills way more than hard skills oh yeah you know it's all of this stuff is like it's it's not even about you as a sound designer or a composer or a musician or a mixer or like any of that it's like are you a relatable good person that people want to work with yeah well that's like <laughs> you, know? like whole... you have to have the skills to back it up to a certain extent well but that's the bare like, minimum yeah if you're and... like okay but you're like a good communicative person who delivers what people want. Hey, that's worth its weight in gold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's been coming up in like multiple fields is just being good and knowing the stuff is the bare minimum yeah. now. So it's like, yeah, work on that. But you that is necessary. Mm-hmm. And there's all this other stuff piled on top of it. And that it's kind of going for the success of indie titles in my mind now. Mm-hmm. Making a good game is the bare minimum for right. your game doing well now. Yeah, it used to be you made a good game, and you had a pretty high chance of success. And that's no longer the case now. There's too many games, so yeah. making a good game bare minimum, and then it's marketing and checking for whether people want that game to be made in the first place. Yeah, all that stuff. It's finding so. that niche that has a hole in it is wanting to be filled. Yeah. And how this applies to audio is picking your projects. Yeah. Who's working on it? How are they, like, are they testing the waters? Mm-hmm. Um, everybody wants to work on successful projects, but it used to be you just look at a project that you thought was great. Yeah. And pretty good chance you'd do okay. It would be like, yay, I loved working on this game mm-hmm. and we made some money. Now you still will probably love working on that game, Yeah, but you might not make any money. Yeah. And that might be fine with you. Um, but, as those of us that want a, want a sustainable business, mm-hmm. that means we have to shave down what we work on even further. Yep. And it is kind of all that bare minimum thing. Being good is just getting you over the bar now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like doing all the real reviews that me and Kevin do, like seeing yeah. seeing how far along things have come since you know I started out. Like right. The bare minimum for reels is like is way higher now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people are, are getting better at them. People have more resources to put into them. Yeah. There's projects out there that you can do implementation and stuff. Back when I started, they, you didn't, nobody had access to any of that as tools. So you could be like, I want to be a, not that it existed back then, but you could be, I want to be a technical sound designer. I want to implement things. There was no access to the tools to show that you were good at that. Cool. Now there's projects available for Wise and FMOD and in the Unity store. And just, you can get these empty projects and fill them with stuff and go there. I implemented all this stuff in this and show it off. And, yeah. Okay. Well, now everybody can do that. <laughs> and the, But there are more jobs now, too, which is yep. real nice. The, I see postings every couple of days, I think, mm-hmm. for yeah. major major AAA studios, at least, and even... Yeah, I would say, I don't know if I see them that regularly, but I definitely see them way more regular than I used to. 
mm-hmm. and that's just the sort of and I'm like, not even looking for them though, the big know? triple A so. stuff yeah. yeah that's not counting all the like freelance indie projects mm-hmm. out there but yeah that's one thing with all those games out there being made they all need audio they all need audio and some of them have money yep <laughs> <laughs> alright so I wanted to talk a bit about analyzing stuff sure we've talked about it some before yeah You've got a project, mm-hmm. and project is like, I want to reference Project X. How do you look at Project X? What do you figure out? And how do you figure out what is the sonic signature, the thing that made that person want to reference it? So this is if you receive a reference from a sure. client? Sure, let's go from, let, I mean, I'm just using that as an example, but like, do that. Sure. Client has said, I want the sound from Game X and the music from Game Y. Right. That's, that's my reference to you. And it's that broad. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of the time, it is. Yeah, I've 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 received music references before. They're like something like this, and then they send me an hour long playlist of music <laughs> on yeah. just on a YouTube video. And so, first thing you have to do, I think, is narrow it down. We'll start with music because that's a little sure. feels a little easier. May not be, but you gotta you gotta narrow down your references, and if there's a broad range, figure out what is the commonality between them. Is it a genre? A style? Is it an instrumentation? What's common to it? Oh, it's, it's all 8-bit. Okay. That was... Yeah. <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> or maybe it's not. And you're like, okay. It's, there's strings in everything mm-hmm. or something. I can start by saying that working with Greg Lebanoff mm-hmm. on Song, I've kind of trained him up to become <laughs> very, very good at yep. providing references. So where now he provides references and he'll say... I love the palette of this song. Yep. And then another reference, but I love the melody of this song. Mm-hmm. And I love the pace of this song. Sometimes three references will all yep. feed into one one song. Yeah. So that, those are the kinds of answers that you have to get out of a client that provides you, or a client or developer, whoever you're working yep. with, that just provides you with one reference. Yeah. So it has to be, okay, so what exactly do you like about it? Yeah. And why? Sometimes after a few questions, they completely realize it's a terrible reference and they hate it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so and then they're kind of back to the drawing board, but they're going to come back with a better reference. Yeah. Or you might even be like, okay, after I've, I've asked enough questions now, mm-hmm. I know what you want. You don't have to get me another reference. Yeah. Stuff can vary so wildly. I remember, I remember going to GDC one year and seeing a talk. I think it was by Telltale. And they were talking about, I think it was The Walking Dead. And they had used Tom Waits as a reference for the music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, we used Tom Waits as a reference for Don't Starve music way back in the day. And those are two radically different things because he had such a, has such a wide career that they were picking from one time period of Tom Waits. And we were picking from a totally other one. Right. They were both him, but wildly different yeah, yeah, and still worked as references. And you could, when you knew that you could definitely go, Oh, okay. I get, I get where. So it is, the, it's the narrowing down thing. Yeah. If, if Cause if somebody just like, said, I want it to sound like Tom Waits. You'd yeah. be like, okay, do you want it to sound like rain dogs? The bone machine. Yeah. Or the weird circus music. No, I wasn't talking about the music. I want a voice <laughs> like Tom Waits for oh, the lead actor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's a case of totally a case of needing to narrow it down. Cause just the name is not enough to get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. It could get you in somewhere that's like wildly wrong. Yeah. They could be thinking. You can't just oh, pick your favorite Tom Waits song. You could be like, I love the industrial bone machine stuff and make something there like, I was thinking of him in a piano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, getting as narrow reference as you can. That's another big thing to gauge too is what kind of creative freedom you have on any 
given project mm -hmm. and how it's good to get an idea of how much managing they want to do, your developer yep. wants to do. Because some of our developers want to be very, very closely, they want almost every sound to cross them mm -hmm. uh, before it goes in the game and they want to have an opinion on it. Yep. Other developers are just like, I don't care. They yep. will care later, but they will just say, you're the expert, just fill it with sound. Yep. Fill it up, make it sound good, and then and then we'll talk later. Mm -hmm. And then everywhere in between yep. as well. On the, the American Dream, we had pretty, pretty free reign for the most part. Mm-hmm where I just got to be the music director and the audio director. But really, Joey did most of that work because I don't like managing that much. I don't like micromanaging <laughs> that much either. So yeah. Joey, Joey just took most creative lead yeah. on the actual sound effects. And then I just did music direction mostly with Riley. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Nick and Winston just trusted me to pick the right stuff yeah. and are happy with everything we came up with for the most part. So to me, that's really attractive Yeah, um, to just take it all off your hands. Because I hate micromanaging, and I don't, I'm not worried about having to do it, and I'm not worried about my creative vision being completely skewed and perverted if I hire the right people. Yeah. And hopefully the people that hire you, whoever you are, did their research and think they hired yeah. the right person too. I think that's, if they're good managers, mm -hmm. that's what they would do. But yep. not everybody's a good manager. <laughs> yep. And that's when you do have to steer your clients or your developers. You will have to steer them by asking a lot of questions, getting, mm -hmm. getting a lot of references, and do that before it gets frustrating. Yep. So I would say it's not happening as much lately because people have been hiring us with a lot more trust. Mm -hmm. But a few, you know, a few years ago, I, I would deliver the first few things, hoping for the best. Yeah. I was being like, I'm not going to ask that many questions. I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to send it over and see if they like it. Yeah. To kind of see if we could get, gain that trust right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it would work. But if it didn't, I would be like, okay, we're going to scale way back. Yeah. And we're going to have a big discussion. Mm -hmm. We're going to have at least a small discussion before we do every sound. Yeah. Or every song so that I can start getting a clearer idea because obviously my intuitive vision of what this needs yeah. is different from your intuitive vision. Mm -hmm. And so now I have to be kind of, I have to almost study this from a classical perspective yeah. and really tear it down to get an idea of how your brain is working basically yeah. to, and what it wants. And sometimes it will never, you'll never know. They just might have yeah. bad taste or different tastes than you. Totally. I've worked with people too, where the only way was to like throw something against the wall. It didn't, it didn't matter mm -hmm. how much talking you did beforehand. You just, oh, they yeah. never really knew how to communicate what they wanted. Those big meetings never mattered. Yeah. Right. So you just had to make something, get it in, throw it against the wall and go, huh? Mm -hmm. And then you'd start getting meaningful feedback. Yeah. But it's, you needed that first sound, that first piece of music to, to kick it off. That's just a learning experience of like, the more you do this, the more you go, the more you can learn the people enough to know, is this somebody that I just need to throw sounds at right away? Or is yeah. this somebody that I need to have a good sized meeting to like really hammer out the vision first? Or mm -hmm. There's no real way to know how to do that other than just, you know, getting good at reading your clients. Yeah, I think so. You know, the more you do it, the more that will become intuitive to you of like, all right, this is a, this is a handholdy person. We've got to have a bunch of meetings. Mm -hmm. This is a person that's just going to need sounds to critique. Yeah. Or thinks they know what they want, but doesn't yeah. actually know what they want. Yeah. Um, because sometimes people just, they know they like something. Mm -hmm. But just because they like it doesn't mean it's going to work with their thing. Yeah. It, and it too, they, may not, they might not actually know why they like it. Yeah. 
right? They're like, I like this thing. And you're like, okay. And then you think you take the parts out of that that are like the likable things and they can be like, oh, that's totally not like Yeah, they didn't what like those I like. parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, that, that hasn't happened to me in a while. So. <laughs> <clears throat> um, sort of related to that. So when you've, you've got your reference, you've narrowed it down, mm-hmm. you've had your talks, you've had your meetings. Uh, what are the different ways you can sort of evaluate these things to pull out the parts? Like, I think there's production. Do they like the production of that song? And w- what does that mean? Like you said, for the Wonder Song, he's like, I like the melody from this piece. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, okay, that's that's something to evaluate. The palette, like you're saying, is, a, yeah. is another good one. What's, what's the instrumentation of this piece? You know, is that what's liked about it? What else is there? The easiest ways to start getting something close. Mm-hmm. Is you start with palette and then you go key. Mm-hmm. Those are almost equally important for music. Yeah. Um, I think for sound design, it's palette is very huge. Mm-hmm. Palette, key, tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to start getting really fancy, which I almost never do, <laughs> uh, you can start actually looking at like the, the chord shifts involved mm-hmm. um, or even some of the intervals within the melody. But I don't like doing that because then it starts getting... T- into sound-alike territory a right. lot of the time because I'm not classically trained enough to do it elegantly. Yeah. So I usually just go palette, major, minor. Is it is it a major key or a minor key? Mm-hmm. Are we going happy? Are we sad? Or is it Dorian or yeah, yeah. or whatever? And then usually, usually after that, once I write something, they're happy. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that I deliver something people don't like after I've done that anymore. Yeah. But there's probably a bunch of other subconscious crap going on that I don't even... <laughs> pay attention to yeah and then yeah for sound design definitely it's almost just it's like 90 percent palette in my my opinion mm-hmm. for sound design but i think it's also uh, emotion yeah like so we have to ask ourselves what's the emotional tone being elicited by this if any mm-hmm. is it foreboding is it making me worried yeah so you, is it so a you bad have to th- think beyond that it happened or is it a good reason that it happened yeah context yeah and so then you can start looking at things like processing. Mm-hmm. See, I think I think a lot about um, the time period in which the example is created. Mm-hmm. Like that's big for me. That like dictates a lot of stuff of like, you know, you give me the example. I love the sound effects of 1960s Doctor Who. Right. Okay. What tools did they have? Mm-hmm. What process did they have at that time? Because that dictates instantly a way to work. You don't have to stick to it. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, right, I want that sound. Well, if I limit myself just to the tools they had, I'm like 50% of the way there. It's kind of the palette. To me, it's yeah. the tools become the palette that you're working with. You're like, Yeah, hey. I guess I was thinking of like palette as in sounds that are already in the box. And mm-hmm. So what are they made of and how have they been processed? I yeah. consider the processing yeah. as part of the palette. Totally. Yeah. Because then you're like... Can I, can I get I? some gear, I guess. Thankfully, it's to me, it's not even... I mean, okay, you know, we all know I love to buy gear. Mm-hmm. So that aside, <laughs> I have problems. But the vast majority of stuff that you previously could do, you can now do with plugins. Right. You can do so much in the box that it's ridiculous, like the tools at our disposal for not spending extra any money, just like DAW stock plugins are already like way more than, you know, so many people had to do amazing things with it what they did. So yeah, you can make things sound. I've been doing a lot of aging on one of my projects and it's been a ton of fun. Yeah. Panning all my drums to the right. <laughs> it's been a blast. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just limiting yourself to be like, right, all I can do is, you know, rudimentary EQ, reverse, uh, you know, speed stuff up and down like a tape machine. Mm-hmm. Right. That's all I can do. Right. Right. You know, okay. What can I do with that? Mm-hmm. Um, 
that can that can really help I think get you to that that spot and figuring yeah figuring out that's the fun part like you're saying figuring out what they had and like how I can do stuff with just what they had yeah and that that is an, a good way to make it sound kind of like the thing but also unique because you probably didn't like really know how they did it yeah and you're so still going to do so stuff. you're emulating it you're you're reverse engineering it with different techniques mm-hmm. um and you're going to do it differently because it's all it's it's like you know you and me having the same sound effects library. Yeah, you know we're still going to make different stuff with that library. If we have the same DAW and the same plugins and the same library, and we're like, make this creature, we're still going to make two completely different sounding things. Totally. Yeah. So you, as a person coming in, is definitely going to change all the things, no matter what limitations yeah, you put on yourself. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing, man. Yep. Got anything else to say about uh? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think I'd be talking out of my ass if we went further. <laughs> That's something I've been trying to do less of. Speaking for the sake of speaking? Yeah, talking out of my ass. Yeah. I and and being someone who does a podcast roughly every month, I feel I have a lot of opportunity to talk out my ass. <laughs> I chop a lot of things, Matt. <laughs> so I, I just like, want to put Matt's it out already, there. Matt's just rephrasing the same thing <laughs> for the third time. I think I'll just cut this whole paragraph. See, come see us live and you'll get to see like how dumb we really sound. Yeah. <laughs> All the ums and ahs and none of the edits. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've been, I've been constantly like online and in the podcast to like think about, am I talking on my butt? Mm-hmm. And like not, not doing that when I'm like, no, no, I don't actually know about that. Yeah. It makes me uh, say a lot less in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. All right. Questions. All right. Let's get to some questions. We had some questions. We'll start with the Facebook questions because I usually forget about the put- Facebook questions, actually. That's how it usually goes. Oh, really? So yeah. Like I a, always go to Twitter a, and then I'm like, oh, oh crap. We have a big stack up. First question, Jack Manhorn. Favorite colors for regions in your DAW? I don't even pay attention. I was going to say just this totally flies against my whole learn learn to care about everything. Yep. But I, I just don't. It's not that I don't see color. I just don't perceive it as mattering much to me nearly as much as it should. I don't remember colors either. It's almost like a handicap. I think I have I think I have it. You can set up Pro Tools so that it does colors two different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think I have my work computer set up one way and my home computer set up the other way. Right. So, yeah. I'm I know in, in, in Ableton, I'll make all my stems red. Yeah. So they look like they're bright record tracks. And then everything else is just auto. I would love to have an assistant that just came and made everything yeah. beautiful for me. I love when I get uh, mix sessions from somebody. Like there's a couple of people that will give me a full-on a Pro Tools session to mix from, which is yeah. super great. And they've got all the tracks color-coded and the oxygen. And I'm like, oh, this is so nice. I know. I'm pretty sure Em and Rachel both have beautiful Reaper sessions. Yep. And then Chris probably does too yep. when they're working in Reaper, but... Uh, we're not he, me. We're gray, we're, gray, gray, gray. We're horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> Nels had to say, um, "What is your favorite game for inspiration these days?" These days. Yeah. Been thinking about Oxenfree a lot still. Uh huh. Let's go. I've been waiting for my physical copy of Edith Finch to get to me so I can play through that again. Oh, cool. Because that was, I'm still like inspired by that. Like it was mm-hmm. good. And I've still been doing the thing where I'll come home and I'll put everything on. Right, and just let it auto play while play. I'm doing dishes and stuff. Like, nice, because it's just fun to listen to. And I, working on Wander Song has given me tons of inspiration these days too. Yep, 
it's it's really it's just so heartening being 90 songs into something and then last week i was like i think this is my favorite one nice you know that's really nice because there are a lot of times when you're like i think i'm tapped out <laughs> yeah i think i've written all the songs i will ever write yeah and i'm done so it's nice when you come up with something that you're still really happy with and actually like listening to and proud of. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And it happens a lot. Yeah. Not a game inspiration, but mm-hmm. I've recently been like redoing my little home setup to to work better. Yeah. Have stuff, yeah, it's looking pretty slick. Have more stuff, like have everything so that I can just like one step and use the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm finding really inspiring. Like that's inspiring me to do more with all the, junk i own yeah because it's like it's easy i just there plug it in i'm going it's and and not like oh well i'd have to get it out and find a spot to put it and like so i find that inspiring having just things available i've also been watching a lot of movies yeah uh we our last vancouver sound desires talk was very inspiring as well Mm -hmm. um with the mixer from uh, moana one of disney's in-house mixers it was fantastic Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, but they sound like they've got some a great place to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds really nice. Yeah, yeah. As far as film film goes, probably yeah. probably the best. Place. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the kind of attitude that they had there really seemed. Yeah, it sounded like a good game studio. Yeah, there are a lot of good. There are a lot of game studios with really good environments now and really good attitudes mm-hmm. towards creativity. And it seems like Disney harbors a very similar. Yeah, attitude where they give people time to experiment and. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Whereas film on the post side of things, its reputation is very hectic and mm-hmm. hard pressed. And cram everything at the last minute. Yeah. Nicholas asked, how do you stay creative on footsteps? Creative on footsteps. I mean, I mean you that don't is... always have to be creative on footsteps. You you kind of <laughs> can you can eventually accept that a footstep's a footstep. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Because it's something you don't want to stand out. Mm-hmm. You can be creative with the psychoacoustics of it, I think. Mm-hmm. When do you want them to become less obvious with your dynamic mix? Yep. Um, I, re- I respect people who do real Foley yeah. and and dig into the, like, what's the emotional of this character and how does that relate to their footsteps? And that's like, what keeps it fun, too. Like, I mean, that's, that's one thing you can do. Just, mm-hmm. like, dig in real hard on, like, what is this footstep supposed to mean? Yeah. You know? And and keep keep those questions going the whole time. Yeah. So that it's not just a footstep. Um, but budget is a big constraint for, yeah. the, for that. <laughs> yeah. The, on probably most projects you're going to work on, the, the footsteps are the most basic informative thing. And mm-hmm. there's probably a lot more other things you could be doing sound of horror that would have bigger impact. When exactly. you put that much effort about the emotionality into it, yeah. yeah. If I'm if I'm forced down to like bare minimum status, four footsteps. Right. That's that's what you can get away with. I like I like eight. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, and I like. I have then put like. 20. I like to push as many fully layers as we can when it's something we want mm-hmm. uh, to be like that on. But like, Fossil Echo had tons of fully layers, but it really, I don't think it really mattered a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always like making, and this has been super helpful lately in, in Hot Lava. It's like, mm-hmm. I love making modular systems so that like everything's pieces of pieces mm-hmm. so that, you know, every, it, it all adds up in interesting ways. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and it's like nothing is ever just one thing. You're like, well, I made I made the footstep, and then I made the, this part of the foley, and this this other part of the foley. So there's like mm-hmm. two different foley parts, and a footstep, and then a surface, and then a rattle because of the thing that was attached to the surface. Like you just like, and now it builds up into this big, interesting, fresh thing. Yeah. I, well, I think one of the most fun things about game sound design is is just pushing the granules down. Until yeah. your voice count is out of control, <laughs> yeah. and then having to consolidate or call, yeah. call things, yeah, you, when you, you know time and budget permitting, basically, you keep going until the voice limit breaks, and then dial it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I know even several years ago there was probably I think like Call of Duty or Battlefield or something. They were already separating footsteps into three parts, mm-hmm. like heel, ball, toe. Yeah, and. That's already, that's super granular. Mm-hmm. I, I, we don't do that in indie. <laughs> you know? and, and working granular has really helped a lot of cases of like, oh, I need, I need a new thing. Well, I've got all these pieces that I can actually mm-hmm. like rebuild in an event myself. Yeah, without having to go back to the DAW. Yeah, like I had um, to... And, do... and keeping the file size down at yeah. the end of the day. It doesn't feel like it at first, but in some cases it can... Re- result in a smaller file size not that that matters anymore mm-hmm. but yeah I, I like i literally had to make something today i'm like oh the character does does this motion and mm-hmm. like puts their hand down on the couch okay i need to make that and i'm like no i don't and i just went like all right i'll take this sound that i've already got that i'm using and i'll take this footstep off a couch right and eq that in f mod and i had exactly what i needed and i had it like super fast yeah so yeah I guess that's kind of how to keep footsteps interesting. I still like doing them. Yep. They're one of the most satisfying things to put in the engine and and have working because it's one of the first things that is like the character's there now, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Yep. Emma's been doing really creative things with footsteps and Wander Song. Yep. Yeah, because it's a musical game and there's lots of sort of abstract, dreamy areas. Mm-hmm. You get to make the footsteps kind of musical. Cool. Um, and we've made it so the bard is always walking in uh, tempo now. Nice. Yeah, in um, Oxygen Not Included, uh, Jamie worked really hard. We, we discussed this before, and he ran so far with it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, where all the animations of the machines and everything are to the tempo of the songs. Yeah. So that everything kind of just runs in that same tempo. It's yeah. Like yeah. visually and audioly, it all lines up, which mm-hmm. is really, really awesome. All right, James from, uh, from Twitter. So there's a there's a another semi follow up question to this one as well. Best advice for intimidated uh, newcomer goer to GDC, meaning breaking out of your shell or comfort zone to network with new people. And some uh, Christoph also added along the same lines. What's the best icebreaker and tips for introducing yourself and kicking off a conversation with a complete stranger at a conference? I'm talking about just rocking up to someone and insert dialogue here, not being introduced to a new person. I find. And I, I've been a pretty socially awkward pe- person in the past. Yeah. Not, maybe not necessarily awkward, but I'm not, out, I'm not necessarily outgoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fluctuate. But yeah. uh, I find a lot of the time you'll just wind up in a crowded space and there's another person that's not talking to anybody and you can just say, hi. Yeah. How you doing? My name's Gordon. Don't yeah. tell them your name's Gordon unless <laughs> your name is Gordon. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, just, hey, I'm Gordon, shake their hand. As far as baiting someone into finding out that you're a sound person, don't do it. Yeah. You know, don't be pushy necessarily. It it can work, Mm -hmm. um, but it makes me uncomfortable. 
Like, yeah. But it, it can it can work. You can go quantity. Yeah. You can go to just like meet as many people as humanly possible and get as many cards as you can and then follow up. And you have and to they're... be consistent about it. Um, but you have to be pretty outgoing in the first place for that to work. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us are not. The best way for someone to find out that you do what you do is to wait for them to ask. Yeah. Because if they're not asking, they probably don't care. This is one of the areas where I feel like I'm about to talk up my ass. Okay. So I'm going to say very little because on on one level, I'm like, well, you just go up and say hi. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like saying that is so easy compared to how stressful that is for a lot of people. Yeah. That it's, it's not as easy as just go say hi. Like there's people that like, no, that's a huge deal. Yeah. I used to be like that. Like. Mm-hmm. Where I'm just like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to go talk to strangers. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy talk. But what you can do is, is what you're saying too is is um, ask questions. I yeah. think I think I don't think very many of us listen and ask as much as we should. Yeah, big I, th- time. I think we meet new people and we want to be like, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is yeah, what makes I came me all awesome. All the way to San Francisco. I want as many people to know what I do as yeah. possible. And I, and I think, and this goes even beyond GDC or whatever conference, this applies online, fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us probably need to shut up and listen. And I, th- I think this talking out my ass, total personal opinion. I think that if you are the person asking the questions, you are going to become more memorable because you showed interest in the person you're talking to. I th- no, I think it's absolutely true. I can think of examples like off the top of my head. Yeah. And and I think it's my when I have nothing to say has really paid off for me. Mm-hmm. Um because people seem to like hanging out with me even though I never talked that much. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So yeah, walk walk up to that stranger, that person who's not talking to anybody. That's I mean and that's GDC, a good thing. And GDC is easy because what it, do you do? Where are you from? Cuz everybody's from different places. Yeah. Especially if you've come from far away. Yeah. Uh, that that's probably interesting. And just keep following the questions. Find the, find the person that's not talking to anybody, mm-hmm. like you're saying, because then you're not interrupting stuff. That's a I, I do that all the time, too, and it's totally uncomfortable where you're like, it's even somebody like, oh, I know that person. I want to say hi, but they're in a group of people, and yeah. you kind of slide up, and you you sort of get included in the conversation, yeah. but you you still feel like you're not. And and uh, another way to do things is, yeah, if if someone does slide up like that, and you have just done the great job of, ice breaking with someone else yeah first of all make a effort to remember people's names i'm terrible at it but i as well i do try yeah uh introduce the person you're talking to to the person that sidled up yeah there you go you just met two people yeah so that's i guess some advice hopefully is yeah that's the game and um i saw somebody mention lately and i feel this is so hard to just say Mm -hmm. but know when a conversation needs to end yes i saw that tweet yeah and easier said than done very way easier said than done i agree like if you can figure out when a conversation has to be over pull the plug mm-hmm. been great talking to you maybe we'll see you know yeah uh, tomorrow i won't take up any more of your time blah blah yeah. blah yeah that's a i think a lot of people really respect you if you can like hi blah 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 thanks been great talking to you see you later without seeming like you're ping-ponging around I yeah mean, I, pr- I prefer longer conversations and shorter conversations. Mm-hmm. As soon as they start checking their phone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good signifier there. <laughs> um, all right, next question. Renzo asked, 
Is there a time when a composer or sound designer should stop accepting free work? Or can there still be value in work that doesn't always pay with money? Being paid with not money is not working for free. No. Yeah. So that's a, if you're getting paid in something, that's not working for free. So yeah. that's a, you're still getting paid. If somebody's getting paid and you're not for the project you're working on, you're being taken advantage of. Yeah. I strongly say not to do it. If no one's getting paid um, and you're just all in it for the learning experience or you're all taking a chance together, mm -hmm. that's fine. As long as you're not going broke over it. Every, yeah. Everybody's personal situation is different. Yeah. And so that's why, other than the, if someone else is getting paid and you're not, mm -hmm. other that's my only blanket, blanket rule. Really. Yeah, yeah. So, not, so discounting that, because I'm definitely a, like, line in the sand, firm, don't ever work for free person. Like, mm -hmm. I just, that's, get angry about it. Yeah. But, you, you know, a, you, a project comes along that is a pure passion project. Nobody is making any money. We're going to give the game away for free, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. right, sure. Or we're going to do a very thoughtful revenue share that right. we've planned out before anybody put boots on the ground and yeah. we've all signed contracts. Sure. So in, in those situations where there is a very few times when working for free, I would agree with, mm -hmm. um, if it's a passion project that you believe in and you're, you know, not getting taken advantage of in any way and your bills are covered by your regular work. Yeah. Right. Like it's like, are you putting yourself out and screwing yourself over by taking on this project or, is it something that adds to your life? Mm -hmm. If it's something that's adding to your life in some some way that it, that you find beneficial, then yeah. Or it's a passion project that yeah is going to look great. You know, it's going to look great to have have it under your belt. If you don't have any shipped games yet, for mm -hmm. instance, that'll help. It's such a yeah such a situation by situation basis, and I think I think you just have to think about what's what's your situation and like are you being taken advantage of do you have the time can you do this do you want to do this is there a benefit like are you benefiting from this in some way and then decide and you could be like i work you know i've done projects that you know i do essentially i do music projects for free because nobody buys my stuff <laughs> but those are like that stuff that i'm like i want to do this yeah it does somewhat tie into the i've been getting this question a lot mm -hmm. as we all do how much do i charge yeah um, and the best way to do that if you're a beginner, because, and, and this, this almost does you have you working for free for a while <laughs> Yeah. because it's kind of a self-imposed internship. I did this to myself and it was, um, finding a professional somewhere yeah. and showing them the thing that I have to do, maybe a very short linear piece or just one sound effect, like a play blast. I remember asking Al Alistair Hurst at the first audio symposium we went to, Mm-hmm where I knew nothing, yep. and Alistair was showing us play blasts, and I was like, how long does this take you to yep. do one of these? And Alistair was like, about 45 minutes. So I was like, sweet, I have a professional bar. I've got right. some similar play blasts that I need to do. A play blast is a short video of an action, a character doing an action, by the way. Yep. So I know how much a professional gets done in about an hour. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to do a piece rate based on that, so I will charge... The same amount for, I'll, I'll charge a professional's hour for this one play blast, but as a piece rate. So the piece rate costs X dollars. Yeah. But then it's going to take me three hours. Right. So I am getting an introductory wage mm -hmm. because I'm slow yeah. and I need to learn things. Yeah. yeah. And then, then it, it's my goal to improve my efficiency, get faster at stuff, 
uh, as my library gets better, as my tool sets get better, I can do things more efficiently. Yeah. And then, uh, incidentally, my wage goes up. Right. Yeah, what you're getting hourly goes up as you get yeah. better and quicker. Yeah, and that, so, and that was a very simplified version of how... Things mm-hmm. went, but now we do all kinds of different <laughs> contracts and yeah. and stuff. So it never works like that anymore. But I do think that is a good way to tell yourself how much you should charge when you're a beginner. Mm-hmm. That makes the math fairly simple. Yeah, it's charge the same as a professional, but take longer on it. All right, two uh, oh, two questions, different. We'll do them separately from Nate on Twitter. Um, when you're starting a new game and the audio vision is unclear, how do you go about defining that and how many different styles are you trying before locking it down? Uh, until the dev's happy. Yeah. Basically. If the dev has until- no suggestions, then yeah, it's your job to you can either do mock-ups or you can go you can go to YouTube and start mm-hmm. gathering a bunch of references. Um, this is this can be a very fun part of the job because it's when you get to because if if you are yeah. if you're the one tasked with with Creating the vision, that's quite a privilege Yeah, um, that a lot of people don't get. A lot of the time we're receiving the vision yeah. and uh, trying to fit into it. Mm-hmm. So, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. I think one good way, like you were just saying, is if you can get some captured footage in whatever state it is and just, like, do three versions of it that are radically different mm-hmm. and then be like, hey, Dev, what about these? Yeah. Like, yeah. do we, any of these speak to you? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, be like, all right, I'm going to do it, like, super this way, and then I'm going to do it super this way. And, like, so, yeah, it's, it's you just, that's that uh, throwing stuff against the wall. Mm-hmm. You just start creating. And, it, and, if, and if you're allowed to, like you're saying, if you're allowed to create that vision, it's, what do you think? Just try and try what you think. And then see where it goes from there. You can almost like method act it, you know, like yeah. how would Walter Merch cut this? How would right? Yeah. Or you can, you know, uh, do tool set stuff of just mm-hmm. like, you know, like I'm only going to use my OP one, right, to make all the source for this or whatever. Like, you know, you just make up arbitrary rules, you know, blindly pick five plugins and be like, right, that's what I'm going to use. Yeah, and these three folders of sound effects, and okay. Now what do I do with that? Right, right, right. Just that because yeah, that starting point can also be like the hardest part. Totally. So you just start throwing stuff on tracks and mm-hmm. recording things. And uh, Nate also asked bonus second question: thoughts on five one in indie? Do you do it? Do you think it's overkill? Why isn't Don't Starve in Atmos? I bought an interface that could handle five one, and it just was never needed. Yeah. So. Up until now, we I had too much work, mm-hmm. so sticking to stereo was a bit of a like workflow. Like, I don't have the time and resources to dedicate to this. And while well, don't starve and invisible were our isometric view mm-hmm. before that. It was flat two D. Yeah, and I was kind of like, it's a two D game. I don't know why would I do it in surround. Yeah, I mean I can come up with reasons now, but. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was like looking for a reason not to do that because I didn't have the resources. Yeah, a lot of the time it is pure resources as well. Yeah, like to have a professional five one setup is more um, than you're spending more than twice as much on monitors. Mm-hmm. And then you need a dedicated and, and, room that you, sounds decent. And, exactly, and you need a big room to do it right. Yeah, as well. So, um, so it's all, and so a lot of the time I'm like most of our players are playing on headphones. Yeah. Uh, anyways. So I'd rather have a throw a binaural filter in there, yeah, because that's better than five one um, as far as directional 
uh, accurate. Hot Lava will be uh, our first 5-1 game. Right. Here. And then I'm like, is that it's the three... new focus right is for? Uh, we've getting, we're getting gear. Cool. Getting gear. We've got a, you know, we've got a consumer level Atmos system mm. in the office we need to set up oh, now. Oh, sweet. Okay. So that we can check stuff out. And mm-hmm. I've got like a couple of different 5-1 Dolby headphones mm-hmm. for checking that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Because I think that that's where it'll be played most of all. Right. Is PC users with a, with a surround sound headset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got some of those to check out. But it's like all of that. All of that is gear investment. Yeah. Just to be able to try it out. And then knowledge to use. It's gear investment. It's knowledge to know how to work on the gear. Um, it is a troubleshooting that gear when everything goes wrong, which yep. it will. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it just it the return on investment for us as a company mm-hmm. has not it hasn't reached it yet. And apparently it hasn't for Clay either, a much bigger with, company than mine. Yeah, and it's it's with the games we've been doing. We yeah. still do, like, 2D games. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's harder to make that, like, definitive, of course we need this. Yeah. On a 2D game, to me. Yeah. And maybe I'm an old, crumbly old man that doesn't get this modern technology or something, but I'm like, I see a 2D game, and I'm like, oh, I guess you could throw some ambiences in the back or something. Like, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully the middleware does a lot of it yeah. for us. Um, and so why Don't Starve is in Atmos? Because Don't Starve is still an FMOD designer. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I don't think it would even support Atmos. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. Uh, what was there? Any more? Might be it. All right. I think we're over an hour. Yep. I see no more questions. See you at GDC if you're there. Come say hi. Uh, not that I will be in any one place. We'll be in all the places. Yeah, I'll be all over the place. Uh, I'll be by the carousel on Wednesday, Thursday, and I will Friday be at the carousel. I, I will be at Carousel Con as well. I moved all my sweet my things. Um, uh, my my uh, round table I think is on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Probably I think it's Tuesday at one p.m. And it's at a coffee shop. I can't remember where. <laughs> Click the link for the thing. And um, then if too many people show up, I will f- figure something else out, I guess. Sweet. Uh, don't forget about early er, early risers. There's always the uh, sight glass coffee. Never been. I've never been. It's super good. It's, it's 7 a.m. Yeah, I'm never there at 7 a.m. Okay. I will say that. I like. I roll in at the end. Maybe I'll try to get to one this year. And if you're I've said in, that every year. <laughs> and if you're not at GDC... Watch the hashtag even like it's you can follow along on a lot of stuff. I know a lot of us live tweet like talks and stuff while mm-hmm. we're like in things and or um, else mute the hashtag and just enjoy your life. That too. Yeah. Just ignore it. There's also not at GDC. Yes. A hashtag. Of not not GDC or something. Yeah. There's there's some stuff for people who can't make it to GDC. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. look for that. I mean, I know um, I know some Vancouver people were looking to get together while they were not going to GDC yeah. and have a little game audio get-together while yeah. stuff's going on. So, you know, whatever. You're there, you're not. It's all good. It's all cool. Mm-hmm. You're all going to be making awesome game audio stuff regardless. Yeah. Somebody said uh, like 90 or 95% of game industry has never been to GDC. I'm not surprised. Like it's some like huge number. So because, it's like, well, most people are most people are encapsulated within AAA companies and they're not sending their whole teams. No. So... So yeah. as big a deal as it gets made out to be, don't forget, most people never go yeah. and have very successful careers regardless. Yeah, totally. Um, 
Next one will be the live recording we will put out. And then a bunch of interviews. And we're going to do a bunch of interviews, so get ready for that. It's interview season. Yeah, we've been on an interview drought, so yeah. it's get good. ready for some other more interesting voices. It's coming. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you.